There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. A safe space for St. Louis to learn about soccer. This is Soccer 101 with Michelle Smallman and Moon Valjean. Welcome into Soccer 101. This is the safe space for St. Louis to learn about soccer. I'm Michelle Smallman, and Moon Valjean is here as well. Moon, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Uh, holy smokes, I'm doing well. This World Cup has been so exciting. And I'll tell you what, not only ha- as a spectator and a fan of, of soccer have I just been loving every single day, watching these matches, watching the highlights of the ones that I missed. But even today, while we were doing the Riz show, the Croatia-Japan match was on. This is the round of 16. I have a huge soft spot for the Japanese team because a number of years ago, I was there, I believe the very, very first time they ever made round of 16. And um, it was in the middle of the night, 100,000 people and myself flooded out into the streets after they won and advanced into Shibuya Station. There were people... I mean, it was the most fun celebration that I have ever been a part of in anything globally ever, especially around soccer. And 100,000 of us were in Shibuya Station, this huge, famous intersection. And we were crowd surfing and all this kind of stuff. So I'm like, I- I'm I'm so rooting for Japan now that the U.S. is out. But interestingly enough, while we were doing the Riz show and this was on behind me, Riz right when we go to commercial break screams, I, I can't I can't do this. This is so distracting. Because I can't take my eyes off of this game. I can't stop watching this game. And he was legitimately yelling at the TV because of how exciting a game that he has no skin in was and how distracting it was during our show. So, And I mean this wholeheartedly. Everyone I know that isn't necessarily a soccer fan is starting to get into it because they're seeing it's not about the high scoring. I don't need an eight to eight game or whatever it is. Everyone is seeing the actual excitement in this sport. And uh, are you feeling that too? I'm feeling it as well. Obviously, with the USA playing, I think a lot of people got on board just because of national pride. Um, But I think now you're invested. Now you've seen some of these teams. The games are happening at different parts of the day. So I feel like people are checking in at different times and getting invested in, in different teams. And it feels, Moon, like... There's more interest in soccer in America now than ever. And I know we say that all the time. We always say, oh, it's a growing sport. Eventually, one day it's going to be a top three sport in America. But it truly does feel like there is more interest now in this team and this sport and this World Cup than we've ever seen before. Yeah, um, I think what you said is true. Every year that goes by, we we do say that, hey, 
soccer is gaining momentum in the U.S. And I don't think that that's ever been false. Not not a single year. I mean, look at the MLS. It's grown from, you know, a dozen teams to uh, a few dozen teams in uh, in just a matter of a, a couple decades. So I think that's true. I think the difference now is we are really seeing the results. We're mm-hmm. feeling the results. The Nielsen ratings for these games, these, these matches, uh, is making the news. Uh, it, among all the NFL stuff on a Monday night uh, or a Sunday night, um, you'll see an article about U.S. breaks records for um, uh, for this market and this market and this market watching World Cup matches. And we're not even talking about necessarily U.S. matches. Riz and the, the, the Riz show, we have an entire, um, you know, like a show thread on our texts. And the entire weekend, it was about soccer for the first wow. time ever. My dreams are coming true, Michelle. My dreams <laughs> are coming true. <laughs> you know what's funny about that, Moon? My family group chat, all about soccer too. So even my mom, who's not even really a sports person or a soccer person, has been very invested. But it's funny what you mentioned about the ratings because I saw something come across that really piqued my interest. And I know you were mentioning ratings for every match, but USA Netherlands specifically, which happened on Saturday, I saw this tweet, Moon, that game drew 12.96 million viewers on Fox. It was up 163% from the round of 16 back in 2018. And what I thought was even more intriguing is the top five markets that were checking in for that game. Cincinnati, number one, St. Louis, number two, Washington, D.C., three, Kansas City, four, Austin, five. So I thought that was really interesting, not only that that it had grown that much, but that St. Louis was number two. And I guess Washington, D.C. is a bigger market. Austin is certainly a, a growing population. But I love that Kansas City, St. Louis, Cincinnati, these middle-sized markets throughout America are really investing. That is, to me, a big indicator of the growth of soccer in America. That's not L.A., that it's not Dallas, it's not New York City, it's not Miami, it's Cincinnati, St. Louis, Kansas City. Yeah, that's that's an enormous accomplishment, especially for our our town. Like that's so cool. We were number two, and think about this too. These are once every four uh, years matches, so we're not talking about having every household with the television on or each individual uh, family or or soccer fan watching a TV. A lot of these, if you saw Amsterdam Tavern's uh, uh, picture from their watch party in the street, there was 1,500, 2,000 people out in the street. So that's 2,000 people on one screen, and we still made number two. You know that's what I right. mean? Good point. That's, that's enormous. Like, think about the actual number of people that have their eyes on these matches. Uh, they did watch parties down at City Park. Um, I mean, it's it's a watch party type of event. And the fact that we were number two, be proud, St. Louis, be proud. It does have that Super Bowl feel where you want to watch it in a big group setting with yes. other people. I mean, it's it's bigger than the Super Bowl. It's the World Cup. But I know a lot of people like to consume soccer, especially in America. You know, if you're watching Premier League or whatever, it's on a Saturday morning. You like to make your coffee. You like to kind of settle in at home and, and watch it. But this felt like such a big event and everybody wanted to be out doing things for it, which, you know, has been there in the past, but I think it's just, it's so much bigger than we've ever seen. And, you know, let's get into the game a little bit, Moon, because unfortunately the U.S. is out. We were, and our apologies that we didn't have a podcast last week, but we wanted to wait until after the match on Saturday. And even though the USA, they were undefeated from Group B, they went into the knockout round versus the Netherlands. They they had some chances at some points, Moon, but they did fall three to one. And I want to get your temperature check after the USA got got knocked out. How are you feeling about this team, about this program, about the game? 
Um, well, a, as a fan and as a studier, um, I will say what most people are saying. If you had asked me, uh, you know, a few within an hour or two after that game, I would have been really frustrated and had some uh, some intensity that I'm going to settle down <laughs> right now. Just just because, you know, I'm, it's, it's a lot of standing up and yelling at the screen and I was standing far too close to the screen for my health. And uh, I'll say this. Um, it's a young team. And I know everybody's been saying that because it is our second youngest team, I think, ever in the World Cup. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a young team full of energy. And kudos to the Netherlands. Uh, I mean, five minutes in, I yelled, okay, I see what they're doing here. They know that we have a young, energetic team, and they're going to sit back and they're going to let us be energetic, and they're going to play a strategic game because we didn't have a lot of strategy going on. Get it to Pulisic or uh, get it to the wings or just, you know, energetically cross some balls in. Um, That's not a strategy. Those are are plans and, you know, those are plays. And they implemented the Netherlands did they they implemented a defensive shape. They really showed a shape. The U.S. really didn't have too much of a shape, and they definitely made us pay in the most basic, simple, strategic sense ever. It was let these guys get their jitters and their energy going and all that. Stop the ball, get it back in here, and have our speed and our strategies out, outdo the U.S. And that's exactly what happened. Now the encouraging thing that everybody is saying that I. I'm going to agree on is that this is a usual result for the U S knocked out at round of 16 where it's unusual is we showed a lot of good posture for a young team. You could see there was bad decision-making or, or the lack of decision-making or what they're going to call football intelligence or soccer intelligence. And that's just knowing when to slow a game down or when to speed it up or when to feed these balls in, or when to sort of reshape the formation. Um, There was a lack of that because these are kids. We're talking about the majority of them are 22, 23, 24 years old. So they're going to play in multiple multiple World Cups. Tim Ream, I know, by next time is going to be 38 or something, so maybe he's not with us. And and we'll miss that experience because he's a monster. Like, that that dude is... Shout out to the St. Louis then. Yeah, man, that dude is awesome. But our other St. Louis and Sergeant, he's still a kid. He's like, I, I don't know, 21 or 22 or something. I think he just graduated in, in 16 or 18. So he's going to be there and these kids are going to be there. And boy, do they deserve it, man. It's going to be really exciting. So if we're round of 16ing right now and we're coming up against these experienced managers, these experienced teams, we're going to be one of those experienced man, uh, uh, teams and 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 managers next world cup and guess where next world cup is guys it's in the freaking north america it's in us we have 11 cities that are going to be hosting this next world cup with a team that's got some real years under their belt working together and gelling so while i was watching i was watching a youthful team get beat by better strategies but the whole time you're thinking boy when these dudes really know how to play different teams and adjust to different strategies and implement strategies of their own, we are going to have a legitimately potential giant, a a potential giant. 
And I don't mean to be over-encouraging because we've had some rough years. We didn't even qualify for the last World Cup. It's been nothing but disappointment these last uh, this last decade or two, you know, with every, every pundit saying, oh, the U.S. is going to be great someday. This is the first sign where you actually might have some real evidence that the U.S. is going to be great someday. We deserve it, and, and it's coming. And it may come next World Cup or at least in the next two or three. Quick Google, Josh Sargent, 22 years old. Okay, yeah, I, I knew I knew he was super young. And the majority super of that young. team is super young. Tyler Adams, um, I mean, all these guys are going to play in multiple World Cups if they stay healthy, if they stay together. This is this is going to be great. And again, the round of 16 exit, that's exactly what happened in 2014. That's exactly what happened in 2010. And it, it actually happened in 94, the last time the World Cup was here in the U.S. But this is different because this is the second second youngest World Cup team the U.S. has ever fielded. And they're good. They are good. And when you think back to, I believe it was what was it, 2017, when they didn't qualify, that lost to Trinidad and Tobago, the, the famous Taylor Twelman, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? When you think about the state of American soccer then, as to how we're feeling now, yes, I think so many people are disappointed simply because they, at, at certain times, Moon, didn't look out match. Like I specifically go back to the England game where there were so many chances for the U.S. to get the goals that they needed to to really win that game and not just have a draw. And I think that that's a big barometer, you know, when, when you're going up against the likes of England and you look like the better team or the team that can certainly take advantage of the matchup, that's a positive sign. That's not where we felt like U.S. soccer was years ago. And I think even though they they were the second youngest team at the term tournament and they were inexperienced. They needed this seasoning to get them to where they need to go. So I think by the time that we have the next world cup and we're talking about this group and they've been together this long, they have this experience under their belt. The expectations are going to be much higher. I think when we're talking in 2026, we're going to be saying they they better get to the quarterfinals if not farther. Yeah, for sure. They, we, we have the, we have the characters, we have the players that have the skills and that's, uh, I hate to say this, but that's a first. In in the last couple of World Cups, or even just watching friendly matches, I've gone over to the Kansas City uh, Stadium a few times watching friendlies, and a lot of times you're like, "Wow, this is garbage!" Like the, the this team, and I'll I'll fully admit, I've said this team is garbage. You got three guys out there with like world class skills, and the rest of them are just good players. We're not talking about world class players, but we have a potential. I don't know, nine or ten world class players. And when I say world-class, people are like, well, this is World Cup. If they're there, they're world-class players. That's not what I mean by that. What I mean by world-class is they could go anywhere in the world and compete in their leagues. Do you understand right. what I'm saying? Of course. That's a, that's a world-class player to me. And right now we've got a couple of them. I think in four years, we're going to have maybe, maybe, maybe a full 11, which would, which would make all the difference. And you're right against, uh, against England, we showed some tactical intelligence. It was, it was a good way to play. We played them well. We played Wales really well. Uh, but the Netherlands, all they had to do is watch some tape and know what to do against our team. And it was hard for them to adjust. So the skills that are there, when they get some football intelligence under their belt and they're really as smart as they are good, um, I'd say in five to 10 years, we have a, a competing semifinalist, finalist worthy 
team. I can't wait for that. It's going to be so fun. Okay. So us out of the world cup, but there's still some action. We will be talking about that next week as the games continue to unfold. But I know that we want to get back to the basis of what this podcast is, which is to answer your questions, which is to help St. Louis learn about soccer together. And clearly based on the ratings from the U S Netherlands game, there are a lot of people in St. Louis that are already locked into soccer. But for those people who still want to know the basics, the fundamentals of the game, have a lot of questions. We, are going to not only answer some today, but you can always reach out to us at asksoccer101 at gmail.com. Asksoccer101 at gmail.com. And I know, Moon, that in an upcoming episode, we are actually going to speak to a referee. So if you have any questions about the rules, logistic questions about the games, please send them in and we will funnel them to our soon-to-be referee guest because I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot during that episode. Yeah, he's a professional uh, referee. He's done um, all sorts of different leagues. And uh, it's it's going to be fascinating, really, just sort of peppering him with fan questions and answers uh, from all different experience levels. And when you email us, you can uh, put your question in writing or you can even send a voice memo. If it's good quality, we'll just throw it on the pod for you. Yeah, we would love to hear your voice. Let's have a conversation together. Well, speaking of that, Moon, you want to open up the archives and get into some email questions? Yes, please. They've been piling up. Let's get into one. <laughs> I know we've been a little negligent, but there's been a lot going on. We had to talk to Lutz von and Steel about free agency, about the expansion draft for City. We've had the World Cup. There's been a lot happening. So thank you for bearing with us. So this one comes from, I think I'm going to say his name is Diane, D-Y-A-N. Is that how you would pronounce that, Moon? I actually met a Diane that spelled Diane. her name like that. So maybe it's Diane. It maybe it's Diane. Jan. Jan. Well, <laughs> Next time, send a pronunciation so that we can address you correctly. But thank you for the sweet note. Um, question number one, Moon. Hello. Thank you for this podcast. I'm so excited about the new MLS St. Louis team, but I grew up in a town that didn't have soccer. So this podcast is huge in helping me understand. My question is about the teams and the leagues. Question number one, do the U.S. MLS teams play against the other leagues in the world? And question number two, what are the other leagues and the teams? There's a couple different ways we can attack this. We can, we can say that the MLS teams and our St. Louis City SC uh, will be playing other teams not in the MLS. Now, in the league, obviously the league is Major League Soccer, and they will be playing only MLS teams for the MLS League and eventually uh, for a shot for the MLS Cup. But you will see, especially during preseason or at least Europe's preseason, you'll see some of those European squads, the big ones, the Manchester United's, the Chelsea's, uh, the Bayern Munich's, um, the Real Madrid's. They will go on these press tours uh, throughout the planet. They like to do it in Australia. They like to do it in Asia. They like to do it in America. They'll come over here and they'll play friendlies. And you'll see that term all throughout soccer, whether it's an international friendly, which would be like a Brazil taking on the U.S., um, or a league friendly like St. Louis City SC taking on Real Madrid uh, in an off-season sort of time. Those are usually promotional games. It gives us as fans opportunities to see some of our, uh, our, our favorite players that are playing in European leagues or wherever come over to the U.S. So you will see friendlies. Um, the MLS in the past... Uh, has done an MLS All-Star game. And instead of like an East versus West, which is which has happened and I'm sure will happen as well, a lot of times you will see the MLS All-Stars, which is an All-Star group made up of players from the MLS, take on one of those European clubs that comes over. So it's a game that doesn't count for anything, but it's a lot of fun. You see nothing but superstars 
uh, on the on the pitch for an all-star game. In Europe, you have what's called the UEFA Champions League. It's an interleague of all the different European leagues. So the top league in Germany, the top league in England, the top league in Italy, the top league here and there will send their best player, uh, their 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 top teams, whether it's um, the top four in England or the the top three wherever, and they will play in an inter league league called the champions league we have something very similar here in north america and five up to five mls teams four from the u.s and one from canada play in the concacaf champions league you'll see that c-o-n-c-a-c-a-f uh acronym right there champions league concacaf champions league and therefore they they will end up playing teams that are in that uh league from different regions you'll see an mls team a great MLS team that's at the top of the MLS table play the best team from Mexico or from other countries and regions within the leagues that make up the CONCACAF league. And within you, you mentioned uh, the Champions League. And I know part of the question was about the different leagues that exist out there. And that would have to be an entire podcast where we list everything out because there's so many different leagues worldwide. But most people you will hear talk about the Premier League, which is out of England. You have La Liga, which is out of Spain, Syria, which is out of Italy, Bundesliga out of Germany. The list kind of goes on. And there's so many different teams that are involved in those different leagues. CONCACAF stands for the Confederation of North, Central America and Caribbean Association Football, abbreviated as CONCACAF. And it's one of FIFA's six continental governing bodies for association football. Yes, what she said. <laughs> there you go. That's CONCACAF. So do you think that we answered the question thoroughly? Again, I'm sorry to not just sit here and name all of the Premier League teams and all the Serie A teams, but I just think that would kind of defeat the purpose. Yeah. And you know what? These are all things that you really don't, don't even have to know mm-hmm. as you get into it because you'll find out, just follow your team and you'll find out, hey, they got this match midweek and they're playing so-and-so from Guadalajara. And why? Because it's a this type of match. And they'll explain it pretty pretty easily and you'll catch on to the details. Believe me, baseball and the way some of these other sports work is far more complex than what we got going on here in North America for soccer. Absolutely. And if you are, since... Uh, the email was wondering about the other leagues. Moon, you're very into Premier League. And I would suggest that most people in America, when they're into international leagues, Premier League is the one that people are most locked into, correct? Um, I would say Premier League is probably the biggest overall because of its uh, reach as far as broadcast goes. I, I mm-hmm. think I'm not sure how the money goes. I know uh, France, because it's like owned by the government or something, has probably more money being splashed around Uh at the top of some of these uh, superstars. But yeah, there's so much money in the English leagues um, that typically that's where the majority of the greatest players uh, end up uh, going as a whole. So it's a it's a it's a great place to to start watching. And it's easy to find on TV. It's a little bit harder to find the German league, which is Bundesliga um, or uh, the Spanish league, which is La Liga or Italian, which is Serie A. But if, when you hear those, that's what they are. Those are just the leagues within those countries. And and just, you know, to give you a little bit more info, there's 20 teams in the Premier League. So that would be us naming like the 20 Premier League teams, the teams in Serie A, et cetera. But 
I would, I would just, if you, oh, and there's a book actually that I read, Moon, stand by, <laughs> um, that is about the Premier League and the money that you mentioned that was really, really, really informative. It's called The Club. I recommend a lot of people, if you're wanting to learn about the money and just how the Premier League was built into what it is today, this book called The Club is so informative. It was written by Jonathan Clegg, and it's called The Club, How the Premier League Became the Richest, Most Disruptive Business in Sport. And it talks about the television contracts and how you took what were essentially clubs that were ingrained in smaller English towns and built them into this massive, massive multi-billion dollar industry. It's very, very, very interesting. Yeah, it's an insane machine and I could talk about it forever. And that and that <laughs> and, and that works a little bit different than our league over here because they have so many different leagues and they're all associated with one another where we say there's there's 20 teams in the Premier League, but that changes every year because the bottom three get relegated to the league below and the top three from the league below get promoted into the Premier League, which is, I mean, extremely lucrative when you go up and extremely bad for money when you go down. So some of these teams uh, I, I talked about in an earlier podcast episode, how exciting it is, even if you're not, even if your team, your favorite team isn't one of the top four dogs, you're watching these things just trying to hang on so you don't get relegated to the league below. I mean, it's just as exciting for the bottom of the table as it is for the for the top of the table. I understand why American sports owners would not want to participate in relegation, specifically for what you just said, because of the financial risks that exist. Yeah, they're scared. I, they're scared. But I think it would make every sport so much more entertaining. And I don't know why just for the entertainment and drama factor, they don't adopt it. It makes everything more competitive. Like, can you imagine when St. Louis had the Rams, the 15 and 65 Rams that they wouldn't have gotten relegated? They absolutely would have. And that would have forced ownership's hands to do better in the draft and to spend more money in free agency and to just, I mean, that whole situation was a mess to begin with, but I just wish that every sports league had the threat of relegation. Yeah. Can you imagine being penalized for sucking? <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> and as and a you fan, should be penalized. You yeah. should. And as a fan experience, it is phenomenal. I mean, it, it's, it's unbeatable. I, 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 we're going to preach till we're blue in the face uh, if we talk about it, it being implemented in American sports because I don't see it happening ever. But oh, uh, never, never, never. But, it, it is, but it is fun. And if you if you like that, go go watch some uh, EPL or or uh, any of the leagues over in Europe. And, and maybe the MLS ends up going there. Uh, but but we'll see either way. Uh, we'll, we're never going to be at the bottom of the table with our team. So whatever, dude. St. Louis, are you kidding? Uh, <laughs> crank, cranking out all of these these stars, homegrown stars, and we're we're drafting all these people. It's going to be great. And that was like the lamest sell of all time. But I, I promise <laughs> you, I promise you, with this team, they're going to do it right. I would actually, I don't want to put too many expectations on them because they are fresh out the gate, Moon. But just the intentionality and the way that they built every other aspect of this club, I would actually be floored if the team came out and they were. Bad. I would be very shocked. Listen, man, I, I hope so, but I'm not making any predictions because I'm a I'm a diehard soccer fan, so I am prepared to criticize. I'm ready to scream. Moon. I want Angry Moon. You come in here, you're every week, you're positive, you're informative. I want Angry Moon. I want you to come in and just really light up the team. 
or some coaching decisions. I can't wait for that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm good at making friends. That'll be, that'll be great. It's sports. You're supposed to, I'm supposed to yell. I'm supposed to scream, you know? Yeah. That's kind of the whole point, right? Fanatics. We love it. And finally, Moon, let's close this out with one more email. This doesn't have a question attached to it, uh, but I think it's definitely worthy of reading. This is from Kevin, who's emailing us from O'Fallon Mo. Shout out to you, Kevin. And Kevin says, hi guys, I don't have a question, but I just wanted to give a shout out to Tyler Adams. I am married to a girl from England and her family are huge Leeds United fans. And as a result, so am I. Getting to see him doing great things for the US is really awesome. Additionally, seeing his response to the Iranian reporter was amazing and just shows what kind of guy he is. He seems like someone who will help lead the club into the future, although it surely means his star is brightening even brighter and ultimately he'll leave leads for a club with more money. It is still so cool to see. My in-laws were in town from the UK over the weekend, saw the interview with me, and we could not have been prouder to have him on their club. I thought I was the only Leeds United fan living in the US, but maybe guys like Adams will bring more fans for that club and at the end of the day it's just great for the u.s men's team bring on 2026 loving the podcast from you too and again that is from kevin that's awesome yeah he he hit it on the uh, on the on the nose uh first of all leeds united has such a beautiful beautiful history uh over there so if you're if you're looking to get into a club um definitely investigate them in, in your top three or four as far as their history and the 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 teams that they fielded in uh, in the past and tyler adams man uh, did you see did you see that interview i did i did so he was he was criticized in two like kind of like gotcha moments um they, it was it was it was like cringeworthy uh, questions if if anybody hasn't seen this he was there with the coach greg berhalter and the Iranian uh, interviewer said, uh, hey, first of all, you keep mispronouncing Iran as Iran and it's super disrespectful, blah, blah, blah. What do you have to say about that? And the other one was something about you talk about discrimination in Iran and all this other stuff, yet you come from a country that is like famously discriminating against uh, black folks and all sorts of different types of people. And uh, what do you say about that representing a country that's so discriminatory historically and even presently? And man, this guy was an absolute perfect example of good grace, brilliantly handled response. He initially immediately apologized and said, I'm so sorry I've been mispronouncing in your your country wrong and I will correct that which mm-hmm. is awesome it takes it takes a man to apologize and say I've done wrong I, I will choose to no longer do that whereas for some reason people these days see pushing back as somehow manly and that's I thought he he did a, a, a great thing there and then he went on to talk about how the US is making strides and changes and progress is really important to him with discrimination because he's dealt with discrimination all over the place it was awesome and I, I will say this sadly it's very very rare these days that I see somebody especially a young guy or something like that that's that has some uh, some fame and popularity say something that is so, so well done that it's a good example that I want to show my children. And when I saw that, I thought, man, my sons and my daughters need to see this because this is exactly how it should be done. He started with the apology. He made a move to to improve himself and showed a good example of of how to do that. Kudos, Tyler Adams. Great email. I'm glad you caught that. Go Leeds United. I'm so happy you have such a good represent, uh, you know, a representative of not only your club, but your country in one spot 
Very, very cool. And for those who haven't seen the interview or the quote, I actually have a snippet of it here, Moon, that I can read. But I'm I'm with you just to echo your sentiments before I read it. It's that we're all works in progress. And I always love living by the mantra, once you know better, do better. It's all about respecting people and respecting people's way ways of life. And I'm I'm with you. I think it was a great moment in U.S. sports for someone to say, hey, I I made a mistake and I apologize, but I'm going to move forward with grace. And I thought it was great. And here's here's part of the quote from Tyler Adams. There's discrimination everywhere you go. One thing that I've learned, especially from living abroad in the past years and having to fit into different cultures and kind of assimilate into different cultures is that in the U.S., we're continuing to make progress every single day. Growing up for me, I grew up in a white family with obviously an African-American heritage and background as well. So I had a little bit of different cultures and was very easily able to assimilate in different cultures. So not everyone has that ease and the ability to do that. And obviously it takes longer to understand. And through education, I think it's super important. Like you just educated me now on the pronunciation of your country. So yeah, it's a process. So yeah, it's a process. I think as long as you see progress, that's the most important thing. And I couldn't agree with that more. As long as you are your intent is not to disrespect and that you absorb what someone is telling you, you correct it and you just try to be better moving forward. But you're right. A lot of people, especially young men get defensive or they, they don't really have, have the foresight to have such an elegant response. Yeah. I thought it was beautifully worded. It was calm. It was collected and it was inspiring. And, 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 and as we know, we don't see a lot of that. We see a lot of negativity, a lot of yelling, a lot of who can be louder and who can be more outrageous. And uh, I just really appreciate Tyler Adams for setting a good example for 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 my children and for a lot of kids that are looking up to these uh, these players. So very, very cool. And, and thanks for calling that out. Kevin, I believe. Yes. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for the email. And keep the emails coming one more time. We are going to have a referee on. So send us all your ref questions. AskSoccer101 at gmail.com. Moon and I will be back in action next week, hopefully with the referee. Um, but until then, Moon, you can send us off. Go! Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Didn't get your picks in before the game started? No problem. You can get in the game for the second half. Sign up today using promo code FOOTBALL and get your first deposit instantly matched up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com or download the mobile app and enter code FOOTBALL to get your deposit match. Some restrictions do apply. See the website for details. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. 
Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.